Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! And now, let's get it on! Against the spread, Winning Picks with Mark Lawrence! Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King. As we near the halfway pole in the National Football League season, we're going to go against the spread on the show today, covering both college football and the NFL. And with that, I want to welcome our co-host, Victor King, into the show. Victor, I hope you had a good week last week, and you're looking forward to another good week this week as well. Sure did, Mark. It was a good week. Our five-star NFL game of the month was the Saints and the Panthers. Over the total, it opened at 51. It went all the way down to 49.5 by Sunday kickoff. The game finished 27-24 right at 51 points. It'll be marked as a winner. Some people may have tied. Most people won in that particular game. We are pleased with the results. Uh, One thing I do want to mention, and Mark will never talk about these things, folks, because he's got no ego whatsoever, but Mark's off his best weekend ever. Uh, in combined college football in the NFL, 5-1 and one overall, perfect system club, game of the year winner outright on Wake Forest. And not only that, Mark, but in this crazy uh, COVID time of the year, we're going on almost a, a full 12 months now. I do want to point out to the listeners out there that Mark went 23-9 and nine in the NBA regular season. Mark went 12-4 and four in the NBA COVID playoffs. Mark went 24-15 and 15 in Major League Baseball with last night's winner on the Dodgers, the new world champions. Not to mention he's gone 13-7 and seven in the NFL, focusing a lot more in pro football than in college football, resulting in a 65% percentage in the NFL. And again, Mark, I know you won't touch on those things, but I think it's important that people know that Mark's doing the work. Well, thank you, Victor. I'll have to hire you as my publicist. Uh, <laughs> thanks for the kudos. And it's been a pretty nice run, for sure it has. And uh, started with the bubble in the NBA uh, when they resumed their season, Major League Baseball's continuation. And uh, while football got off to a little bit of a slow start, it's picking up some momentum right now. So it's a good time to be a football fan these days. And speaking about handicapping football, Victor, I know it's been a little bit tough doing just that here in the COVID world this season, especially in college football. But I'm going to take a cue from one of our good regular listeners, the Texas Tornado, and he commented about how we overview things we learned in both college and pro football the previous week. And his suggestion was, let's focus, why don't you focus in on the one major thing that you learned each week? Because people will tend to remember that as opposed to a bunch of everything else. And as we hit a little bit on what's going on in the world of college football. Uh, I'm going to share this with you, Victor, and then we'll take it over to the NFL side of things. But uh, the one thing that I've learned so far this football season, uh, and I'll use to continue it all throughout the rest of the regular season, is the simple fact of the matter that the hire of Mike Loxley by Maryland last year has to go down as one of the all-time worst hiring coaching hiring jobs that's come down the pike in a long, long time. And I'm not one to sling arrows at anybody. 
Uh, I know people can have bad runs and bad times and bad days, but simply put, Mike Loxley has had a horrible career as a football coach. I mean, uh, you look back at his days at New Mexico State, uh, I don't think his team would have beat the New Mexico State Junior Varsity in his days when he was there. Uh, now Maryland hires him after the D.J. Durkin fiasco that happened in Maryland. Uh, I know they felt like they had to make a move, but boy, oh boy, did they make a wrong move. This guy is now 6-43 and 43 in his career as a college football head coach. We saw exactly what he's all about last week when they were just absolutely demolished 43-3 to against Northwestern last week. They got out yarded 537 yards or 207 yards in the football game. And to me, this is a precursor of what we will see from the Maryland Terrapins for the rest of this football season. You absolutely have to put this team on your fade or play against list. And if you're even entertaining the possibility of looking at Maryland, I simply say don't. You can stay out of the game, save the loss, do just that. But your first look when you're looking at football games this week, and you know my first look obviously is at how teams are performing statistically and then getting into the coaches and then getting into the teams. Your first look at Maryland this week, has, this year, has to be how can I fade the Maryland Terrapins and is there any value in doing just that? And the answer to that is probably not as far as value goes because the league or the odds makers are going to catch up with them real quick. We saw that on the opening move in their line against Minnesota this week. And it's going to continue to keep happening throughout the rest of the football season until Mike Loxley is eventually pink slipped at Maryland. So keep that thought in mind. It was the observation that I made last week when I was perusing the scores, and it just jumped to the top of my thought when I was watching the college football games last week. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And, Victor, I'm going to switch it over to the National Football League side of things, and I'm going to ask you the same question. What's the one thing you learned in the National Football League thus far this season? Well, we've got the NFL uh, underdog numbers. We can talk about those a little later in the show. But if you're asking me what I learned, it is trying to wrap my head around the Cleveland Browns and basically taking a look at the NFL standings out there. And you can't just do your handicapping based on win-loss records alone. I say that because there's there's a handful of five and two teams in the NFL that perhaps are not as good as their record. I'm talking about like the Chicago Bears who are five and two, but have been outscored on the season. They have a minus two point differential. How about the Buffalo Bills? Also five and two in the season, but they've been outscored by minus four points overall on the season. And to top it all off, we take a look at our uh, hometown Cleveland Browns, five and two on the season. Half a game behind the Baltimore Ravens, but their point differential on the year is minus 21 points. That's that's probably more what you'd see for, with a three and four team than a five and two team. And what it basically means is that Cleveland's winning the close ones, but getting blown out in their losses. And when preparing this week's totals tip sheet, Tuco and Ivan trying to get a handle around Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns. And I think we, you know, basically pretty much have it. And that is, you consider the Browns, you consider Baker Mayfield in uh, DFS contests when they are playing some of the weaker defenses in the league, the below average defenses. These are the games in which you want to consider playing the Cleveland Browns. But when playing the very, very good defenses of league, the Baltimores, the Pittsburghs, the Tampa Bays, 
you go against the Browns like you uh, have never gone before, and it doesn't get any easier for me than this, is that Baker struggles when pressured, adjust your wages accordingly. When under duress this season, Mayfield ranks number 27 in the NFL and QBR at only 50.5. When not under duress, he ranks as the eighth best quarterback in the NFL at 79.2. So our bottom line is, from what I learned, Mark, you can't just use their one loss record when handicapping. You've got to dig through those stats. You've got to dig through that point total differential. You've got to look at what type of defense they're, they're playing. But Cleveland, probably not as good as their 5-2 and two record on the year. That's a really good observation. And, and as you know, Victor, we're both from Cleveland, and we are, our hearts are there with the Browns, so we follow them probably closer than any other team. Uh, and it was a great performance by Baker Mayfield last week. What he did in the fourth quarter of that football game was likely his best game as an as a athlete in the National Football League, 20 consecutive completions. And that streak ended only when he spiked the ball to stop the clock late in the game. Uh, so it was indeed a great performance by him. We'll see whether or not he can continue it this week. Uh, and like you say, in the database, when you look at Baker Mayfield, it just comes out point blank simple. When the Browns are playing winning teams with Mayfield, they struggle. When they play losing teams, they smash them. Now, the, it wasn't a smash against Cincinnati last week. They eked out the victory. But the bottom line here is, as you say, when he's pressured, uh, he really becomes a little bit unraveled. So that's a really, really good thought about Baker Mayfield. My one thought, Victor, of the National Football League and what I've learned so far this season before I hand it over, over to you to do a little overview of what's going on is this, is that while they are only the league's number three ranked team in overall defense heading into this week, the Tampa Bay Bucks defense is head and shoulders the best defense in the NFL this year. And I'm saying that simply from the standpoint that when I chart and log these football teams and their performances, everything I do is one manually and two color-coded in my stat and logbook. And then I will weigh teams and see what their performance metric was from a best and worst standpoint. The Tampa Bay Bucks have played seven football games this year. They've held six of those opponents to their season-low yardage mark. They're not winning games because of Tom Brady. They're winning games because the defense is putting Tom Brady in position to win football games. And as long as they continue to keep doing that, Tampa is going to be a very, very good, solid, successful team. If and when the Tampa Bay defense begins to break, you'll most likely see Tampa Bay and Tom Brady's performance head south. So keep a gauge on that. When Tampa Bay is performing well defensively and continues to keep performing well defensively, they're going to end up being a play on team. Look for the chink in the armor when they don't do just that to maybe start thinking the other way about the Tampa Bay Bucks. And with that, Victor, I'm going to hand over to you to see a little bit of a recap, if you will, of what we've seen so far in the National Football League this season. Well, first, from a totals perspective, the market correction did continue eh, slightly last week. It was the second consecutive week with more unders than overs. Uh, six games went over, seven unders, one tie last week, and that was off the previous week in which uh, 10 out of the 14 games all had gone under the total. We are uh, you know, on a week-by-week basis in terms of over-unders. Here's how it has shaken out thus far, 9-7 and seven in week one, 11-5, and 9-7, and 9-6, and 7-7. Four and ten, and then last week six, seven, and one over under. We're still at fifty point eight 
combined points per game in the NFL, about five points higher than last year. But uh, what has excited me in terms of the uh, Circa contest and the fact that Mark is pretty much a dog player is that it was another good week for underdogs in the NFL. Eight and five ATS last week. One game was a pick That was the Dallas-Washington game. On the season now, the underdogs, a very solid 57-44-2 against the spread. And that's 56% across the board on just dogs. Home dogs, 17-17. and 17. Nothing to see here. However, road dogs in the NFL this year are now at up to 40-27. and 27. That's 60%. The best situation this year in the NFL, 21-6 ATS for all road dogs taking on any opponents coming in off a straight-up loss. There are two such games this week. We'll let you figure out which two of those are. But it is the road dogs in the NFL that have been bringing home the bacon. Look for those road dogs to keep barking. If they do, everybody happy in the Mark Lawrence household. That's for sure. And before we go to our NFL game of the week this week, and we've got a dandy inside the NFC West Division, a quick recap of the NFL current playoff picture. These are how teams would be if the playoffs started this week in the National Football League. It's that time of the year when most teams have enough games under their belt to consider their position today and where they might end up likely be at the end of the football season. In the AFC, the number one seed, the Pittsburgh Steelers, followed by Kansas City, the number two seed, then Tennessee three, Buffalo four, Baltimore five, the Cleveland Browns surprisingly the number six seed in the playoffs, and the Indianapolis Colts number seven. The other teams out of the AFC that are in play would be the Miami Dolphins, the Las Vegas Raiders, the LA Chargers, Denver Broncos, and the suddenly slumping New England Patriots. Over on the NFC side of things, the NFL playoff picture heading into this weekend finds the number one seed being the Green Bay Packers, number two, the Seattle Seahawks, followed by number three, Tampa Bay, number four, the ugly duck in the mess, the Philadelphia Eagles, the number four seed because they would be winning the NFC East with that mighty 2-4-1 record. <laughs> <laughs> number five, the Chicago Bears. Number six, the Arizona Cardinals. And the L.A. Rams hold down the seventh and final playoff spot, followed on the heels closely by New Orleans, San Francisco, Detroit, and Carolina. So that's how things would be shaping up as we head into this week of the National Football League. Keep that in thought in mind as you approach the games and your handicaps this week. Don't go away, guys. When Victor and I come back, we're going to tear down our NFL Game of the Week between San Francisco and Seattle. We'll also hop out to Las Vegas to get the Vegas vibe from our good friend Andy Isco to find out what's going on in Sin City this weekend when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Only the Playbook Experts VIP Experience offers We Pay the Juice, Conflict Game Notices, Tokens Bonuses, SMS Alerts, and Genius Game Alerts. It's the only customer experience of its kind. To find out more about becoming a Playbook Experts VIP, log on today at playbook.com or call toll-free for more information at 1-800-PLAYBOOK. Become a VIP this football season with your Playbook Experts VIP membership. All new Playbooks tokens are here. 
Only at Playbook.com can you earn rewards and get up to $100 in free Playbooks tokens to use as you choose. And with your Playbooks tokens, you can use them for Playbook experts' picks and selections. Plus, you earn 20% in free bonus tokens when you do. If you haven't got your $100 in free Playbooks tokens, do so now. Simply visit Playbook.com and click on the Tokens link. It's that easy. That's the all-new Playbooks tokens waiting for you at Playbook.com. You're tuned into Mark Lawrence against the spread. And now, let's throw it back to Mark. Welcome back, everybody, once again to Mark Lawrence against the spread with Victor King. And it's time for our featured NFL game of the week. We're going to hop out west to the NFC West Division, where the Seattle Seahawks play host to San Francisco in what promises to be a highly entertaining football game. Victor, your take on how you see the over-under total shipping out in this showdown game. Showdown, you got that right, Mark. NFC West. Combined 19-7 and seven straight up record this season. Next best division would be the AFC North at 17-8-1. San Francisco versus Seattle. The over-under line opened at 54. And as we record the podcast here on Wednesday morning, I'm seeing a couple of 54s out there, a couple of 53-and-a-halves. It's come down about a half point. I am not surprised. What is surprising is the line in this game is about six to seven points higher than any other previous high. And that would be last year, there was a couple of games in which the over-under line was 47 points. So we're talking about a pretty high over-under line here in San Francisco and Seattle. It's been a pretty high-scoring series. In fact, over the last two seasons, the four meetings between these two teams have gone 3-0-1 over-under with an average margin of plus 5.7 points per game. So, yes, it has indeed been a high-scoring series. And one of the reasons the line is as high as it is is just taking a look at this Seattle team. It seems like they can score on anybody, and their defense can be scored upon by anybody as well. The average Seattle game has totaled 62.5 points per game this season. That's easily number one. The number two team would be Green Bay with 59.3 combined points per game. Seattle at 33.8 on offense, 28.7 on defense. So we can see where that hefty 62.5 number has definitely come from. They are 4-2 and two over under on the season, the Seahawks. The Niners come in at 3-4 and four over under. That, that includes 0-2 in their last two. Last week, it was uh, a under against New England over there in one of those west-to-east games. And we do understand that in terms of NFC West division games, I ran a query earlier this morning, and these games are on a nice 11-3 over-under run in the last three seasons in game three or greater when the home team is favored. That is the case in this game. So these NFC West Division games have indeed been trending over the total. Seattle, of course, off their first loss of the year. Mark may have something to say about that, but uh, from our database in terms of over-under angles, game six or greater home teams off their first loss of the year have gone 10 and 2 over-under since 2013. That applies to Seattle. That was a Sunday night. High scoring, 37-34 loss for Seattle last week on the road against Arizona. Here's a 9-1 over under angle from the database. NFL faves of less than six points off a straight-up road loss in which they scored and allowed 34 or more. Uh, 
That applies to Seattle, that 90% over situation. And, of course, they were a division favorite last week in that loss to Arizona. This has gone 6-0 and over the last four seasons. All division home favorites off a division favorite loss in their previous game. And that applies to Seattle in this particular game. Again, Mark, I'm not a fan of the high over-under line. It appears that uh, in this crazy season, you're paying anywhere from three to five points more in terms of uh, insurance or juice and whatever you want to call it. But my bottom line is this when it comes to the uh, 49ers, and that is Coach Kyle Shanahan is basically a treasure of an offensive mind. And despite a host of offensive injuries, we know they're not playing with a full deck of cards. And even the fact that Garoppolo has been a little unsteady down the field in terms of production, this team can scheme up ways for players to put together those chunk plays consistently. And I expect the game to be close. San Francisco is a much higher scoring team on the road this season. They're averaging 33 points per game on the road. Only 19.5 at home. That should be enough to push this game over the total. Again, I'm not a fan of the line of 53.5. You may want to track it to see if it goes down a point or two before we get to Sunday. But we'll be leaning over when the Niners take on the Seahawks up in Seattle. Uh, That's a late afternoon kickoff, 4.05 Eastern on Sunday. Victor looking for some scoring in the San Francisco Seattle showdown on Sunday, leaning over the 53.5 total points for his observation in the football game. Victor, the key stat words that jumped out to me in your observation is playing with a full deck of cards. Now, I've been accused of doing just that in bad handicapping runs, not playing with a full deck of cards. But the San Francisco 49ers themselves have been one terrific football team adapting to injuries. And they are a beat-up football team coming into this week. They've been beat up pretty much most of the year. They seem to plug and play, especially at the running back position. Last week, running back Jeff Wilson had an outstanding football game last week. 120, 112 rushing yards and only 17 carries. And unfortunately, he ends up with a high ankle sprain. He'll be out this week. Their best wide receiver, Debo Samuel, Samuel has a hamstring. He's out this week. So the hope here for Kyle Shanahan is that Jarek McKinnon, who came over from Minnesota and was so highly thought of, can maybe step in and fill some shoes here. Or perhaps Tevin Coleman can step up off of the injured list. He's just about ready to come back and be due. Uh, I'm not going to worry about that. That's what Kyle Shanahan does the best, is he implements uh, on the fly and does things to perfection. Uh, You talk about San Francisco here. They're coming in off back-to-back, straight-up underdog wins. Uh, Playing some pretty good football right now. And taking a look at San Francisco, when they're in this particular role, they're 10-1 and straight up and 9-2 and against the spread. And he's coming off back-to-back dog wins. The one loss is only by three points. In fact, they're 5-0 and straight up and against the spread their last five games. And they've won 11 in a row on the road. This is exactly where they feel most comfortable is they play much better football on the road than they do at home. And we as handicappers can take advantage of the value of San Francisco being able to do just that rather than having the lay points 
we can take points with San Francisco on the road. The Seattle Seahawks come in, as we all know, we've hit on the fact weekly throughout our the season in the Playbook Football Newsletter that they may well be the worst number one seed in the National Football League this year. I thought they were the worst undefeated team coming down the pike in a long time with their number 32 worst ranked defense, a football team that's only won the yards one time this football season. They come in here, Seattle does just one and six to the spread, their last seven uh, division games as a home favorite. Coming off that first loss of the season last week, as Victor alluded to, uh, we called this out in the playbook newsletter that 5-0 and teams that suffered that first loss in the season have really struggled in Game 6. They're just 7-11 and to the spread when favored, 3-8 and as division favorites in that particular situation here. Bottom line to me is when you look at the numbers here, San Francisco, here's a football team that is plus 74 net yards per game on the football season this year, despite the injuries. And here's Seattle, first place Seattle, who is negative 54 yards per game, despite the fact that they hold down the top spot in the NFC West. This is a huge game for San Francisco to make up some ground, and I think they'll do just that. I'll play San Francisco plus the points. A straight-up win here will not surprise me, which means I'll also play a little bit of them on the money line as well. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, let's hop out to Las Vegas for one of our favorite segments on the show as we get the Vegas vibe from our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Vegas. Andy, how's everything going for you this football season? Well, Mark, so far everything's uh, working out sort of as expected. A few bumps along the way due to the uh, interference of the uh, COVID-19. But we're starting to see teams assume the personalities that they likely will have uh, for the balance of the season, barring uh, any unusual or key injuries that cause extended periods of uh, losses. Of course, the big news in Las Vegas uh, today is the opening of the new Circa Hotel downtown with that three-story high sports book. It's a phenomenal uh, viewing experience. And if uh, the folks go online to the Circa website, they'll get an idea of exactly what I'm talking about. The hotel itself opens at uh, the end of the year, New Year's Eve weekend is uh, the expected date. Uh, but right now, the casino, the sports book, uh, the restaurants are uh, are underway as of midnight, uh, late Tuesday night. Andy, let me ask you about the Circa and the grand opening and what looks to be a fabulous, fabulous hotel, casino, and sports book in downtown Las Vegas. Uh, big shot in the arm for downtown as well. Uh, what about the parking accommodations? I know it's a little bit tight in that area around there. Uh, did they build a parking elevator as well? to accommodate just that? Or how are they going to handle that situation? Are you aware of that? Well, they have uh, built a parking garage that they have named the Garage Mahal. It has about 900 (laughs) parking spaces, and it's got uh, uh, a little system, I believe, to uh, transport people up and down the floors and everything. It's uh, it's actually sort of catty-corner across from the Plaza Hotel. It's uh, directly across the street from the uh, Golden Gate and uh, not too far down the road across the street from the Golden Nugget. So it's got prime location in downtown Las Vegas. My understanding is it cost about a billion dollars to build, and I understand it's the first new property built from scratch downtown in about 40 years. So uh, it's, uh, it's got a lot of uh, uh, people all abuzz, and unfortunately with the uh, uh, restrictions uh, related to uh, the COVID, it's not going to be as active as it would normally otherwise be, although the expectation is that 
hopefully by the time things open in almost exactly two months uh, for the hotel guests and all that, that uh, there may be a little bit more action going on. At least uh, we can hope for that uh, as we get into that uh, festive time of the year around uh, Christmas and New Year's. Well, Andy, let's cut right to the chase. Uh, I know that a hotel like that is probably going to have a few good restaurants, and I know you will be scoping out those restaurants. I know you like your good food. Any word on any kind of restaurants or what kind of food is going to be available at the Circa? Any major players stepping in on the restaurant front that you're aware of? You know, I I haven't uh, checked out uh, the overall awareness as far as uh, specific restaurants, other than there's going to be a very, uh, very high scale uh, steakhouse, which is, of course, what uh, you and I uh, both enjoy quite a bit. Uh, And I'm looking forward to getting an opportunity to uh, try that one. It may be a while again because of... uh, uh, all the hubbub. I usually, I usually avoid going to these new places until things settle down, which is usually about four to six weeks after they open. And so I'm, take, I'm thinking about perhaps uh, sometime in December, maybe right before the holidays, as it's a little bit slower normally at that time of the year to perhaps check out that uh, steakhouse. But there are going to be a number of steakhouses. There's a delicatessen that's going to be in there. And it's going to be a first-class experience. Derek Stevens, who uh, has built the property, currently owns the D and the Golden Gate. Uh, and, of course, we'll talk about in a moment uh, the contest that he sponsors, the Circa Million and the uh, Circa Survivor, where this year he's put up uh, uh, $4 million in, uh, in guaranteed prize money. And uh, the late rush for signups uh, has enabled them to exceed those uh, minimum guarantees. Uh, Minimum entries number of needed to guarantee the full pride fund, prize fund. So uh, he's, a, he's a risk taker, and he's definitely injected a lot of life into uh, downtown Las Vegas. Well, that's glad to see that, and uh, we'll be looking forward to your restaurant critique of the Circa when and if that does come about. Uh, hopefully, we'll be a little bit better past the COVID, and you'll be able to enjoy that sumptuous steak at the Circa. It sounds like you will, I'm sure. Uh, Andy, with that, speaking about the Circa, uh, what is going on these days for an update at the Westgate Superbook and the Circa Contest as we visit on the show this week? All right, we'll start with the uh, Super Contest Classic. Of course, that's the uh, phenomenal contest that started now a little bit over 30 years ago and was the prototype for many contests that have uh, come and gone uh, since then. It's the one that the Circa Million is modeled after. Uh, the entries were down this year from a little over 3,300 to slightly under 1,200. Uh, but nonetheless, that hasn't stopped the contestants from enjoying a, a fine season. In fact, uh, looking at the top five plays in the consensus, last week they were 4-1. and one. The number one pick overall uh, in the contest was Carolina. And, of course, they covered uh, in their three-point loss at New Orleans. For the season, the top five selections are 19 and 17. That's an extra selection there because it was a tie for the fifth most popular uh, choice uh, several weeks ago. For the year, the consensus is now four and three on the season. As far as the contest standings themselves, uh, there is one leader at 28, six, and one against the point spread. That's 28 and a half out of a possible 35 points. That equates to a winning percentage of 81.4%. Very nicely done. Uh, Uh, seven weeks into what was expected to be and seems to be unfolding as an unpredictable and unusual season due to the circumstances uh, surrounding uh, uh, the play this year. Uh, That is uh, at 28 and a half points is good enough for a a one and a half point lead over one contestant in second, a half point further back as a third contestant and rounding out the top five or two contestants at 26 points, trailing the leader by uh, 
two points. Overall, the contest pays the top 100 places. Right now, 113 contestants have 22.5 points or better. That equates to a 62.9% winning percentage. Right now, that's what you need to be hitting in order to be in the field of those currently who would be collecting one of those 100 uh, prize places. Plus, plus ties, of course, they would split the final places amongst those who finish in the position that would cover that 100th prize position. The Super Contest Gold, the $5,000 win-it-take-all contest. This is a, uh, oh, it's like a, it's not quite like a Survivor Contest because everybody plays every week, but there's only going to be one winner at the end of the contest. And th thus, you are allowed, because it is a point spread contest, you are allowed to pick uh, the same team as often as you like, unlike the Circus Survivor Contest and other uh, King of the Hill Last Man Standing contests that are straight-up contests. So right now, with everyone picking five selections a week, the field of 72, last week the consensus was 3-2, and two, the top pick in that contest as well, the Carolina Panthers. For the season, the contestants, uh, for the consensus rather, 20 and 15, and the top selection, 5 and 2, amongst the 72 contestants who are participating in the Super Contest Gold. The one leader right now has a, uh, a somewhat comfortable lead this early in the season at 27 and 8 against the spread. That's 27 out of a possible 35 points. That's 77.1% winners, and that's good enough for a two-and-a-half point lead over the lone contestant in second place at 24-and-a-half points. Overall, there are 21 contestants hitting 21 points or better. That's 60% for the season at uh, 21 or better. And just put another way, 29.2% of the field, a little bit more than a quarter of the field, is hitting 60% in the $5,000 winner-take-all Super Contest Gold. Looking at the uh, Circa Million contest, which I uh, alluded to a little bit before, last year was the initial uh, season for the contest. $1,000 entry fee, five picks a week against the sta static point spread, very much like the two super contests uh, at the uh, Westgate. Last year, the minimum needed to uh, meet the guarantee was 1,500 entries. They got 1875 This year, they basically doubled uh, uh, what they needed because of the guaranteed prize pool, which actually uh, was up to $3 million, uh, for the Circa Million contest. So they needed 3,000 entries. They got 3,148. So basically, almost in two seasons on par with what the Westgate Super Contest uh, did last year. Uh, the consensus this week in the Super, in the, excuse me, in the Circa Million, four and one against the spread, including once again the top selection being Carolina and coming through. For the season, in this contest of over 3,100 contestants, the consensus, the top five picks, five and two, uh, as I mentioned, for the number one pick, 22 and 13 for the top five concessions, top five consensus selections as a group. Now, the uh, quarterly prize for the second quarter, we've got one week to go, week number eight. There are two contestants at 14 out of a possible 15 points, one contestant at 13 and a half, and 10 are tied at 13 points with the final five selections to determine the winner this week of the second quarter prize that carries in excess of $150,000 to the first place finisher pays three places. For the full contest, there's one leader, 27.5 points out of a possible 35. That's 78.6%. That's good for a one-point lead over a contestant at 27. There are four more at 26 and a half points. Now, the contest pays the top 50 places. Right now, there are 67 contestants 
at 24 points or better, which is what you need to be in cashing position right now. That equates to a win percentage of 68.6% to be cashing in the Circa Million Contest right now. Finally, the Circa Survivor Contest. This is the first year of this contest, a $1,000 entry fee. You pick one game, one team per week to win straight up. As a result, as just mentioned, you can only use the same team twice. The little kicker in this contest, and we're getting close to the point where the kicker comes into play, is that the three games on Thanksgiving Day, the Houston at Detroit, Washington at Dallas, and uh, Baltimore at Pittsburgh, the Thursday night game on Thanksgiving, those six teams account for one week. So it's an 18-week contest with the Thanksgiving Day counting as one week. So the contestants have to be careful from the very beginning and certainly as we approach Thanksgiving as to uh, which teams they want to save to make sure they have at least one entrant for Thanksgiving Day. And of course, for much of the season, we were thinking, oh, it's got to be the Dallas Cowboys. They're going to be a huge favorite over the Washington Football Club, uh, as uh, Lee Corso would say, not so fast. Uh, People are now rethinking, and it's not going to be a very easy choice for any of those three games on Thanksgiving Day. Last week, there were 353 contestants out of the original 1,390 who had survived through the first six weeks. It was a very formful week this past week. 350 of the 353 had winning selections. Buffalo, uh, the New Orleans Saints, and the uh, Los Angeles Chargers were the uh, three popular picks. Only one contestant lost, meaning that two other contestants are eliminated because they did not provide a selection. So three of the 353 are eliminated, so through seven weeks, Uh, We still have 25.2% of the original field alive, which is a pretty nice percentage considering uh, the way some of these games have fallen. New England was the team selected by the one contestants who picked and lost last week in the Circa Survivor Contest. That's a review of what's going on with the major contests in Las Vegas from our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And I highly encourage our listeners to pick up a copy of this week's Logical Approach football newsletter for great read insight, best bets, and everything you'll need to get yourself ready for winning this weekend. Simply log on at thelogicalapproach.com. Andy, how about a little bit of a look ahead for the lines next week of what we're going to be anticipating in the National Football League, what Jay Cornegay from the Westgate usually sends out? Sure, and I know that in the past we've actually gone through Uh, how lines were adjusted from the previous look ahead. Uh, I'm just going to highlight a couple of those right now because there are some interesting ones uh, that uh, were involved reacting to the results of this past week after the lines had been up and available to bet. New England at Buffalo last week when this game was posted, uh, the Bills were three-point favorites, and immediately they were bet down to two-and-a-half. Yet as a result of of the uh, uh, New England uh, loss on uh, Sunday, Uh, combined with Buffalo's narrow but still win uh, against the New York Jets. This game opened up with Buffalo adjusted upwards over a field goal to a four-point opening favorite when action began betting this week. Two other games that are worth noting, the Chargers are at the Broncos. The Chargers are off. Uh, The Broncos... uh, Uh, lost in very snowy conditions to uh, Kansas City. No real harm there. This was a game that opened Pick'em a week ago Tuesday, and it actually vacillated between each team being favored by one. This game opened when it was reposted after Sunday's action again at Pick'em, and the early action has been overwhelmingly on the side of the Chargers, who had uh, been bet up to a full field goal favor, higher than what it was before the weekend. Finally, and this is one of the more unusual lines that I've seen over the past few years when they put out advanced lines, Pittsburgh, unbeaten at the time, 
unbeaten, unbeaten still, uh, will be at uh, Baltimore. And a little typo on their little uh, sheet here has, has the Baltimore Raves instead of the Baltimore Ravens. I wonder if that's a, a little a subconscious uh, typo there. But nonetheless, I was surprised to see when the Westgate put this line out uh, the, uh, a week ago Tuesday, the Ravens were six-point home favorites. The initial money came in, bet them down to five and a half. And then, of course, uh, Baltimore had the bye week and Pittsburgh remained unbeaten with their win in Tennessee. I was surprised that the line... Uh, was not adjusted. It actually came back up on six, and as uh, as uh, Baltimore six-point home favorite, and as we've seen, the action, not surprisingly, has drawn this line down to basically where a lot of us thought it would be. I thought it would be somewhere between three and four. Right now, it's sitting at Baltimore, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. So not sure what the result of this game will be, but certainly those people who jumped in and took the six on Pittsburgh have to be feeling pretty good, at least as far as having uh, a, a number that seemed a little bit odd a little bit too high. Getting to week number nine of the regular season, Thursday, November 5th, Green Bay will be at San Francisco. A replay of a, of a playoff game from last season, won by the 49ers. The 49ers and Packers opened as a pick'em. Sunday, November 8th, Seattle, a two-point road favorite at Buffalo. Denver at Atlanta, the Falcons at home favored by three. Chicago at Tennessee, the homestanding Titans favored by six and a half. Minnesota at home, favored by two and a half over division rival Detroit. Baltimore follows up their game with Pittsburgh with a game at Indianapolis. The Ravens favored by three at the Colts. Carolina at Kansas City in an interdivisional matchup. Kansas City, 10-point home favorites. Divisional matchup in the AFC South. Houston at Jacksonville. The Texans on the road, favored by four. The New York Giants and Washington football team, they met last week. They're going to meet again on November 8th, a very short turnaround Washington at home, favored by three and a half following that one-point loss at uh, uh, the Giants uh, the other day uh, where they went for two and uh, failed to come through. That was actually a week ago last uh, Sunday. The Las Vegas Raiders at the Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers open three-point home favorites. Pittsburgh will be at Dallas. There's no line on that game, as there is currently no line for the Dallas-Philadelphia game this week currently due to the uncertain status of the Dallas uh, quarterback situation and the fact that Dallas may continue to unload players before next week's trade deadline, and they've already made a couple of trades this week. Miami will be at Arizona. Arizona, a six-point home favorite. I'll be interested in this game because I want to see how Miami reacts to naming Tua Tagovailoa the starting quarterback in place of the veteran Ryan Fitzpatrick. Of course, Mark, you might have a little bit more insight into how things are going and being received in the locker room, but certainly... It's a compelling matchup for two improved teams this year. Arizona 6 over Miami. New Orleans at Tampa Bay in an NFC uh, South rematch. The Tampa Bay Bucks favored by 4.5. And, and Monday, November 9th, game All-America is waiting for. Probably equal to the uh, uh, game this Monday, Tampa Bay at the Giants. Although this one has two teams that are struggling. New England at the New York Jets. The Patriots, 7.5-point road favorites on Monday, November 9th. Nothing like watching the New York Jets on a Monday night football game, especially against a struggling New England football team. That's what we'll look forward to next week in the National Football League. A nice review from Andy on the look-ahead lines in Las Vegas from the Superbook. Compliments of Jay Cornegay. And with that, Andy, before we let you go, I know our listeners would love to know what you've got on tap for your complimentary play in the NFL this week. Sure, Mark. I'm going to look at a game that uh, may not draw a lot of uh, attention. All games draw attention, but relative to the other games on the card, Indianapolis 
coming out of their bye week, uh, uh, favored by three at uh, Detroit uh, this weekend. Colts are uh, off the bye that followed its two poorest defensive efforts of the season against both Cleveland and Cincinnati, losing the game uh, to Cleveland and coming from behind uh, to win over the uh, Bengals. The Colts allowed 385 and 398 yards to the Browns and Bengals after holding each of their first four foes to under 270 total yards. Uh, Now, Detroit's won back-to-back games and three of four. Each of those wins has been on the road, all three Detroit wins on the road this year. The Lions are 0-2 straight up and ATS at home. The rest should benefit the Colts with uh, new quarterback Phillip Rivers and coach uh, Frank Reich being able to tinker with adjustments to the offense to uh, get back on track and uh, make some adjustments now that they're familiar with one another. Uh, despite the efforts in those last two games against the Bengals and Browns, the Indianapolis defense is well balanced. They rank number three against the run and number two against the pass. Detroit's offense has no special strength. They, they're number 18 against the run, number 20. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, they're number 18 with the run and uh, number 20 via the pass. Uh, I'm looking at the combination of the rest, the matchups, and the reasonable price to support a covering win by the Indianapolis Colts on the road as they uh, return from their bye and display some of the form that made them a very solid team in weeks two, three, and four following their upset loss at Jacksonville to open the season. Andy Isco on the Indianapolis Colts looking to bounce back off a couple of poor defensive performances with eight of the bye week for his complimentary play on the football show this week. Andy, once again, a great job as always on the show. I'm going to wish you the very best of luck this week, and we'll look forward to catching up with you next week here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. I thank you, Mark. I wish you, Victor, and of course all the uh, listeners uh, very much the same and a happy and uh, healthy and successful weekend. Thank you so much, Andy. That was Andy Esco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And don't go away, guys. We'll put the final wraps in the show when we come back next with our awesome angle of the week. While Victor and I also share our complimentary plays with you when we're back with more in just a moment here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. If you haven't seen Andy Isco's The Logical Approach Football Newsletter, then you owe it to yourself to download this week's newsletter in time for the football games this week. Check out the new issue every week at TheLogicalApproach.com. See what winning football information is all about at TheLogicalApproach.com. We're going against the spread with Mark Lawrence after this. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need, guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as in Apple and G as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest. Only the best. Only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. To put a final spin on this week's show, let's do what Mark does best, his awesome, awesome angle of the week. All right, guys, let's get to it, our awesome angle of the week in college football this week, and we call it Mission Possible. And what we're looking to do is to play on any college football mission road dog. And a mission team in college football is simply a team that had a losing record last year, but was a bowler each of the previous three years. These teams play with a mission in these seasons following that losing effort. So we're going to play on any college football mission road dog playing with revenge who's coming off a straight-up favorite loss. 
if they're facing an opponent that allows 24 and a half or more points per game. These focused Mission Road Dogs in this role are 14 and 3 against the spread since 1990. Our play this week will be on Troy, the Trojans of Troy, for our awesome angle play on the football card this week. And with that, I'm going to hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports to find out what Tuco has got on tap and also what Victor King has got on tap for the King Creole Sports this weekend. Victor, if you will. Thanks, Mark. Three college football totals uh, for the Saturday schedule. There'll be three more in the NFL for Sunday. And as always, our selections available at the playbook.com website. And let's not forget the newsletters each, $10 each, midweek alert newsletter. The playbook newsletter just came out on Tuesday night off a nice 9-3 and three run with NFL best bets over the last four weeks. Well played there. And don't forget the Totals tip sheet as well, $10 for this week's issue. And this week we have an issue in which Tuco is doing all the heavy lifting. He's off a winner last week. And in fact, he's got not one, but two team totals in this week's totals tip sheet newsletter. The game that he'll be going over the total, we're going to hold on to that one for people who purchase this week's issue of the totals tip sheet. But Tuco's still got another free play. And of course, as I mentioned, uh, he cashed with the Cincinnati Bengals over their team total last week. It turned into an AFC North shootout against the Cleveland Browns. All was well. Cincinnati had uh, 17 points by halftime and finished uh, at 30 points for that game. Uh, nice job, Tuco. He got his purple squeaky toy back again. He's been playing with it all week long. And for Tuco's free play this week, he's going to be going under it to the total. And one thing I did want to mention to all over-under betters this week in the NFL, do your work when it comes to the weather reports. And again, hey, we're not a big, I think there's basically no impact whatsoever when there's rain in a game or when there's snow in a game, like last week in Denver, in which the Chiefs and the Broncos accounted for a ton of points in the snow in Denver. But when we put up the stop sign or the red flag mark, it's in the high wind games. High winds can impact an NFL game from a totals perspective big time. And with that said, there are seven games this week in the NFL where the wind forecast is going to be 15 miles per hour or more. And in fact, right now I'm seeing three games in which there's going to be 20 or more mile-per-hour winds. And we do not go over the total in any game in which the wind is going to be 15 or greater miles per hour. One of the games in which Tuco will be going under the total, and of course it's not the entire game, it's a team total, and Tuco is going to be going under 23.5 points for the Buffalo Bills. And they'll be hosting a pissed-off New England team this particular week in Orchard Park, New York. And does 23.5 points sound a little too low for Buffalo? Yeah, it kind of does, especially considering the fact that this offense came out of the gate smoking to start the season. In their first four games, in fact, the Bills were averaging 31 points per game. But as of late, this offense has been stuck in in neutral. In fact, their last three games, the Bills have scored 16 points, 
17 points and only 18 points. In fact, against a really bad Jets defense last week, they had zero offensive TDs and six field goals. They couldn't get the job done in the red zone. As short home favorites of less than six points, the Bills have only averaged 21.8 in the last four years. And Mark, as I just mentioned, they're going to be taking off a really pissed off Patriots team off multiple losses in a row. And in this Buffalo and series, the Bills have only averaged 10.7 points per game on offense over the last six meetings. Meanwhile, we, we do know one thing about Bill Belichick. He coaches a good team from a defensive perspective, and they always play great defense on the AFC East Road. In fact, in the last five years, New England is allowing only 14.4 points per game in their division road games. Again, weather forecast for this one in Buffalo. We are seeing rain possibility. We are seeing winds in excess of 17 miles per hour. We may not go under for the full game, but what Tuco will be doing is going under 23.5 points for the home favorite Buffalo Bills when they play New England this particular week. And if you want to see what Tuco's over is, check out this week's totals tip sheet newsletter. Again, we'll have three college football plays Saturday, three NFL over-under plays on Sunday. And, of course, Mark, best of luck. And continue your hot run in the uh, colleges and in the NFL uh, off that 5-1 and one week last week. Appreciate that, Victor, very much. And once again, a reminder to our listeners to check out those three college football total plays Saturday, three NFL total plays Sunday from King Creole Sports online at playbook.com. And while you're there, Download yourself a copy of the, this week's Totals Tip Sheet newsletter. With that, before I get to my complimentary play, I want to remind our listeners out there that our friends at MyBookie.ag have extended their Double Your First Deposit bonus. For all new subscribers, simply log on at MyBookie.ag, enter the promo code PLAYBOOK, and they will automatically double your first deposit. Or you can call them toll-free. The number is 1-844-866-BETS. That's 1-844-866-2387 to get double your first deposit bonus at mybookie.ag. And a quick note here that my featured five-star college football game of the month will kick off this Saturday. And as Victor mentioned, right on the heels of a great 5-1 and one winning week last week, You'll get pick up the college football five-star game of the month, all-inclusive with another $69 football weekend of winners when you log on at playbook.com, or you can call toll-free to get on board for that five-star $69 football weekend of winners at 1-800-321-7777. My complimentary play on the college football card this week, we're going to take the points three and a half of them with the Temple Owls when they take on Tulane this week. And this is a Temple football team that's really flying under the radar right now, playing some very good football. And in fact, they've been really terrific as conference underdogs of late, 23-9 and against the spread, including 8-0 when they're taking on an opponent that's coming off a loss. Their head coach, Ron Carey, was terrific at Northern Illinois, where he guided them to a 42-22 and record, including 22-10 and straight up, 29 and one push on the road, which is where he'll be in this football game. Temple comes in here with the better offense by over 100 yards and the better defense in this contest, yet they're taking points. And if you take a look at uh, this Tulane football team, they're being out-yarded 99 yards a game this season. 
Temple comes in outstanding there. Opponents 69 yards a game this season here. Sort of has this look and feel to me of the wrong team being favored. I'm not going to ever question the Vegas odds makers, but I make Temple a live dog on the college football card Saturday for my complimentary play. And that's going to put the final wraps on this show for Mark Lawrence against the spread. I want to thank our co-host Victor King from King Creel Sports. Our good friend Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas from TheLogicalApproach.com. And for our good friend Jack Reynolds, who we know is listening from above until next week. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always to remember to bet with your head, not over it. And good luck as always. <laughs>